What's up and welcome to another edition of the Morning Lifter podcast hosted by two smart men who love dumbbells. We cover all things strength and leadership. This is episode nine. Sean, what is up? How are you, Bryce? I'm living the dream, prepping for a PR run this afternoon, looking to go super long. How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, that's that's great, man. You've you've been really killing it with this with this running, and your goals have been you've actually been outpacing yourself. Yeah, well, the adrenaline's gonna fade, so that's what we had to get out <laughs> to a hot start. So still in that honeymoon phase. Yep, we'll come back to reality here in a bit. So what's <laughs> up with you? How have you been? I've been good. Just just doing my thing, I guess, continuing on. And I just built a – I sent you that picture. I built a, a barbell rack. Oh, it was off, a hell of a rack. Along my wall. Yeah, that thing's from floor to ceiling. And it's only going to fit four bars. It's all just I, – I started running out of space on my vertical bar storage with those – those uh, specialty bars. Yeah, well, they're tough you know. to put on the vertical storage too because they're so they awkward. Are. So, well, this, especially the camber bar. That one was the hardest. Yeah, because I actually had to, I actually had to mount a hook to prevent it from leaning over, and I just got to the point where I've been using the specialty bars more and more, and it just got to the point where I had to, I had to do something about right, it. Right, absolutely. So, cool. That's it's a nice solution. So yeah, hope it works out for you. You know, your basement's only so big, right? So, well, that's right. But at least I I took some. I, I was able to move stuff off the floor, so I saved a little bit of floor space that way. So that's what's up. So we're back. Just want to recap for the dozens of listeners that we have tuning in. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube um, across our major platforms. There, so you can tune in pretty much anywhere. And we have a super cool new addition to the Morning Lifter store on the website. Flags are in stock and are able to be ordered. Why don't you tell the listener, Sean, how to do that since it's a little bit of like a custom process? Yeah, the flags are custom order. So it, it's going to take about two to two to four weeks to get them in. Um, we order them through Flag Nation, but you can, you can custom design them. Uh, you know, anything related to, you know, the morning lifter stuff. If it's a logo that you want on a shirt, you just, uh, once you go to the checkout, you just have to tell me what you want, uh, and, and put it in the description box and then I'll send you out a draft and then you approve the draft and then we'll order it. We'll be set to go. So uh, I think it'll be nice, uh, a nice addition for, you know, basement, dorm room, apartment, Living garage, room, whatever. Yep. Mine's going in the living room, right in the yeah. right in the center of my living room. Right, perks of so, being a bachelor. <laughs> so whatever you want to use them for, but it's a it's just a nice fun addition. So yeah, absolutely. Another uh, another piece of the customization process for the you know home gym lifters, whether it be garage or basement, like you said. So yeah, and cool. that's really where the that's really where the big target is. I'm looking forward to getting mine and seeing how cool they are, and actually awaiting it to arrive in the mail. So should be coming up soon. It was a couple weeks ago we did that. So yeah, that should be all right. So to dive into today's episode, we actually teased this one way back when in our I think it was episode number two. We talked about modern, you know, nutritional slash dieting practices, and we touched on the ketogenic diet. And I stopped you from getting too far into your experience on that episode, Sean, because I wanted to do a whole episode on 
your specific experience with the keto diet because you have an incredible success story with it um, in terms of your body recomposition, your body transformation. And today, I really want to dive into the the practicality um, and the realisticness of the keto diet. So more like your experience, how it felt, you know, things like that um, to get into if that's cool with you. Yeah. All right, cool. So I have a bunch of questions here I want to ask you. Before we get into some of that stuff, though, just basic recapping of the ketogenic diet. So in the absence of carbohydrates that your body uses for fuel, your body will break down like adipose fat tissue um, into these fatty acid ketones. And these ketones can then be used for energy uh, in your body's metabolism. So that's about as scientific as we're going to get today. Everything else is going to be mostly about feel and experience. So, Sean, when did you start doing this? Was this like right after college, right after your football career, et cetera? Like what was the timeline here? Well, I mean, that this is what's interesting is that when I was doing this, I didn't know what I was doing it, if that makes sense. You know, and so all of this was based off of very raw trial and error. And but I also had a lot of time. So I was still in college. I just gotten done playing football and you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've decided that, you know, at 320 some odd pounds that I was, you know, I was tired of being at that weight. So what I had decided to do, and this was May, this was late May of 2009. I decided that I had wanted to be 230 pounds by Christmas and I, I worked backwards. So I figured out how much weight I had to lose, you know, each week. And I started tracking all of my calories. I started tracking what I ate, but I did it in a pyramid. It was a reverse pyramid. So I would start with just just for the sake, let's say 3,000 calories on a Sunday, right? And then I would reduce by 100 calories every single day. And then I would give myself one day of a cheat meal, one day to kind of just recoup, right? And so you know, you'd start at 3,000 then go 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, and then you'd recoup. And then the following week, like let's say if Sunday's your first day back, right? The previous week I had 3,000 calories. Well, then the following week I'd go to down to 2,900. And okay. so I continued just reducing the calories. Then. Yeah. So I, I continued just reducing the calories all the while keeping my my protein at uh, a consistent 235 grams because that's where – you know, roughly that's where I wanted to be. And then I, I, I've reduced carbohydrates and fat. That's where, that's where I had reduced all of my calories. That's where all that was coming from. So, you know, I continued to do that and the weight started just, it started to just shed right off. I mean, the first couple months, it was really easy. Uh, the real noticeable change was when I was about 280 pounds, you could really see a difference. And I, I mean, I was feeling good. Yeah, you know, uh, by that point in time, but I was also getting up in the morning, and I would go to the gym, and I would do cardio for about forty-five minutes, and then I'd go home, go to class, do whatever else I needed to do for that day, and then I'd go back to the gym at night, and I would I would lift, so I would do my strength training in the evening, and so I did that on a cycle for pretty much seven months straight. Uh, but you know, as the, as the, the weight started to, 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 you know, fall off, 
it began to get harder and harder and harder as the calories started to dip more and more and more. And so then that meant my cheat meals got more elaborate. <laughs> uh, it was more of a cheat day, really. That's what it was. Right. And it was, it was longer, you know, towards the end there, it was uh, pretty extreme with my cheat, with my cheat day. Uh, I remember specifically one day in my little studio apartment getting up and I made, it was at six o'clock in the morning and I made an entire box of pancake mix. Oh my I just, goodness. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I ate the entire box. I made pancakes and I ate the entire box. And um, that took about, oh, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half. And after I was done eating, I, I crawled back in bed and went back to sleep. <laughs> you know, I went into the, a carb coma. And, you know, that was kind of the routine. I felt like hell the next day. Uh, because of the amount of water weight I had gained, but you know, I knew that that provided me enough energy, be, you know, going forward throughout the throughout the rest of the week. But I was so I was so focused on the goal because I it had been so long since I had been that weight. I was I was to the point of obsession, you know, um, and I, I mean, I was tracking. I was that's that really helped me learn how disciplined that somebody could be. You know, so when, when we talk about like strength and leadership, you know, the ability to stay so focused on goal that nothing gets in the way of it, you know, that's where I was, you know, I was really in a zone where I couldn't be touched, you know, um, no, no temptation got in the way. It was, it was really wild. Um, you know, I, I, I hit, I think I was at 232 on Christmas. But that is uh, just insane. That's super aggressive, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're talking 90 pounds or 100 pounds, depending, in seven months. So it was a pretty drastic weight loss. Also, borderline unhealthy amount of weight to lose in that time. Just throwing it out there as a disclaimer. Yeah. It, well, you know, it, it, it towards the end there, it got to the point where I was at 1,800 calories a day. You know, and it was uh, it was really really hard to live. So, what made you decide on maybe doing like a modified keto, just to, apart from you know like regular diet and exercise, or did it start as you know like regular diet and exercise, and then you moved into like really drastically cutting carbs, or what was the thought process there? Like, did you know you were like set out to do keto right off the bat, or? No, I okay. I probably didn't know until about three quarters of the way through. You know, when my when when um, I started to do more research, you know, like I said at the beginning, it was all trial and error. You know, it was just a matter of losing weight, and so I just started to do my own research and try to figure out what I needed to do because I didn't know anything. You know, I was straight out of college where I everyone had told me what to do. You know, like you need to lift this amount of weight, you need to run this far, you need to do this. You know, and so. Now I'm, I'm out into, uh, you know, the world by myself. And so I've got to figure it out. So as I, as I went through the process, I just continued to do what worked. I found something that worked and, um, I knew that if I wanted to continue to lose the weight, I had to, I had to keep reducing what I was eating and, and it really comes down to just calories, um, that was the closest I'd ever gotten to a, 
I guess, a six-pack. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't one of those things that I, I – it's not like I said, well, I'm going to do the keto diet. Well, I had no idea what in the hell that was, you know. I was I wasn't I was not I was not as educated then as I am now about a lot of the different diets and you know there was no carnivore diet in 2009 there were you know the the all the different diet fads um you know that that just didn't seem to be as popular but I had found something that worked and so I was just consistent with it but the you know I kind of figured it out towards the end once I had done a little bit more research, understanding, okay, my carbohydrates are very, very, very low. But, you know, I, it, like, I don't even, it wasn't even very, like a true keto because I also kept my fat content just as low, which, which, you know, so, and, and that's why, you know, and people who are listening to this, were going to say, well, of course you had no energy. You had no energy source. Yeah. No shit. Right. That's how that works. <laughs> well, yeah, you're exactly right. I know that now, you know, but when you don't know what you're doing, you know, so I just wasn't educated and, but, but I was losing the weight, <laughs> you know? So for me, I was saying, Hey, I'm losing all this weight. I think I'm going to continue doing that. When you've been a certain way, you know, your entire life or most of your life, that's where you see some people, like you and I have talked about this. When you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're going to do whatever it takes to not be sick and tired anymore. You know, and that's that's kind of yeah. where I was, you know. But then once I had accomplished the goal, once I had gotten down there, that's when – you know, I, I had gained a little bit of weight back and I had, I had slowly reintroduced carbohydrates back into my diet and what a shock I had gained some weight. But I guess the, the experience, I don't think I would change because it really showed me what, you know, I could do, but it also showed how much work was really required, you know, and you can't, anything that's worth doing is going to take time. Right. Absolutely. And I think you hit on a really important part there. You were like, when you're talking, you just worried about the calories. You just worried about that end goal, that number on the scale. You didn't really care how you got there. And this saying that I'm about to say gets a lot of hate for a person who made it infamous, but the end justifies the means, right? right. You know, you have your eyes set on that goal. That's all that mattered to you, right? right? And you said it yourself. You were going to stop at nothing to get there, which is actually awesome, you know, like to be able to set your sights on something so huge. And to be able to accomplish it on such an insane time schedule um, and under the circumstance that you did, it says a lot about you as a person, your character and all that stuff. And is a reason why I was so interested in, you know, helping out with Morning Lifter in the first place. So, Well, you know, I'm, I'm definitely proud of – I'm proud of what I was able to accomplish by, you know. But I also I, – I lost all of my strength. You know, I was a weakling. If, if I had to go back and go through that same process again, I, I don't know if I would do it that way. You know, I might do it a different way. Well, you way. also know more now too, like you said. So you could go about it a little bit more methodically. Right. You know, I mean, hi, hindsight's always <laughs> twenty sure. twenty, right? So, but, you know, nonetheless, it, I, I'm still proud of the fact that, you know, it shows that anybody is capable of doing anything if they're that determined to, to actually go through the process. So... I had, you know, but I had written down everything. And so I saw everything that I needed to do for every single day, you know, and that was kind of my motivating factor behind it. 
And so I was just really, really careful. I was really, really careful about what I ate. And it was just kind of like what you and I were talking about earlier today. Uh, you know, it's it's like that's what some bodybuilders go through is how they cut their diets and they go to the extreme measures. But I was doing that over a seven-month process. And so it's for, for me, I, I found out very quickly after I had reached my weight that it wasn't sustainable. Right. You know, I, I, I couldn't stay eating 1,800 calories every day. You know, so that brings me to my next question: was the way that fat is uses energy in the body is a little bit different than the way carbohydrates are uses energy? In that you mentioned the carnivore diet beforehand, so Joe Rogan actually was on the carnivore diet starting in January of 2020, and he said after a month he felt like his energy was more sustained throughout the day because you know the fat metabolism works a little bit differently. You don't get mm-hmm. the highs and lows. Um, and things like that. So how, what were your energy levels like before you got down to basically the protein sparing modified fast portion of your diet? Um, you know, in the, in the process where you're still eating fat and, you know, maybe just dropping the carbs, what were your energy levels like? I mean, early on, I still had good energy, you know, uh, that, that wasn't necessarily a problem, but I also, you know, it, the, the first couple of days after my cheat day, I had pretty good energy, but let's say my let's say my my cycle was Sunday through Friday, right? And Saturday was the cheat day, for example. Mm-hmm. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday was pretty good. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it was a pretty sharp decline. You know, by Friday, I was irritable and exhausted. So uh, you know, as the as the fat and the carbohydrates reduced more and more and more. It was harder and harder and harder to to keep going, and that's where you know that's where I started to just sleep more, and I, I didn't really want to be doing anything else other than just working out and training to to help you know stay in that negative deficit, right? Because you know I had gotten in I had gotten it into my mind that I needed more protein than anything else, which you know I didn't like I said. I, I didn't have as much knowledge then. So I was doing all of this based on experience and just based on more so the scale, you know, as I had reduced what I should have done to probably help myself was had a mid had a midweek carb not necessarily carb load, but maybe a carb like a refeed almost. Yeah, a refeed. That's a good way to put it. You know, like on that Wednesday, Wednesday evening had a refeed. You know, maybe I double or I triple the carb intake, you know, because I was at one point, I was at, towards the very end, I was at about 25 grams of carbs. Yeah. Uh, For those that don't know, a refeed is when you just, like, you still maintain your diet. You don't go full on cheat day, but you just throw in maybe like an extra 50 grams of carbs or 100 grams of carbs, whatever it may be, just to, like Sean's saying, is just boost your mood a little bit, give you a little bit more energy and just maybe a little extra pep in your step to get you through right. um, the hard phases of a diet. So, so it, I mean, it, you know, those like from, from the, from the days that I remember, like those were the tough days, you know, it was going to bed and, and just feeling like you were starving and feeling miserable. But I, and I was man towards the end. And as some people, you, you can be on the keto and, and do great. But when, uh, but I, like I said, I, I had reduced my energy source to practically nothing. So uh, now, I mean, the, the protein was was taking some of that and using that as energy as well. But 
I just wasn't getting enough, you know. And so I was, while I was still losing the weight, it, 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 like you had said, it, it wasn't probably the best way to go about it. Yeah, but hindsight's always twenty twenty, like we said. Right, so. right. <laughs> and I think what I became out of it is more important than what happened. That's an excellent way of putting it and really well said. Like, you are who you are today because of that experience you went through for those seven months, like for sure. Right. Like, I fall back on a lot of that sometimes in terms of setting goals, pushing through a goal, you know, especially like on a personal level. Yeah. You know, like that's like just being able to, to to reflect on it and think to yourself like, you know, when you can tell somebody, yeah, I dropped 90 pounds in seven months, you know, it's, it's like the David Goggins story. Only I didn't go through SEAL training, Marine training and everything else under the sun. Probably didn't give yourself like life-threatening kidney damage or, you know. Right. Well, maybe you, know. you did. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 something that I'm still proud of. And, you know, what you should do is you should arm yourself with information, you know. Arm yourself with information and know how to do it the right way. But it, it can be done. You know, there's still lots of stories of people doing it. Keto, keto can do a lot of really good things for people if you do it correctly, I think. But for me, like some people... Like just just like the intermittent fasting thing, for some people you can you can find something and maintain. That's the most important thing is is finding that right balance. Like mm-hmm. for me, that wasn't it. That that was more of the method to get me to the end result. You know, right? And then finding a way to to stay in a happy medium after that, and and I was able to. It's it's still been good. I've been able to keep the weight off, and I, I've. I put a little bit back on, but that's, it's obvious it's been, it's been muscle, you know? And, and so I have a little bit more respect for, you know, what I put in my body and what energy is going in versus going out and things like that. So that's good. That's all good. So you mentioned you got down to about 25 grams of carbs per day at the end. So I just wanted to throw out some comparisons for people to know what 25 grams of carbs looks like. I have four, four items here. So one is a 12-ounce can of Coca-Cola soda, the original, has 39 grams of carbs. One Hershey's chocolate bar, the original, just plain milk chocolate, has 26 grams of carbs. Uh, Multigrain whole wheat, multigrain bread has anywhere from 11 to 20 grams of carbs per slice. And then an apple, uh, regular like Red Delicious, whatever you want to call it has between 20 and 30 grams of carbs, depending on the size of the apple, obviously. And, you know, fiber affects that different ways too. Um, and bananas have, on average, about 25 grams of carbs per banana. But there's also fiber with bananas too and all fruits. But so 25 grams of carbs, like next to nothing. I don't think people understand that. You look at, you know, people don't quite get the mental picture of what 25 grams of carbs looks like. It's not a lot. <laughs> no. It's not a lot. No, it it isn't. And that's what made it so much more difficult because I love carbs. Oh, me too, brother. Me too. So at what point were you like, okay, I need carbs again. Like I'm ready to rock and roll. Was it like hitting the number on Christmas or? Yeah. I mean, it was right after, you know, it was pretty much right after I had achieved my goal. I, I kind of reintroduced myself back into some things, you know, and, um, 
I, I had maintained my weight right around 240, you know, 250. 250, I had gotten a little bit heavier. Um, but and this is in like the maintenance period then, like the post-diet maintenance? Yeah. You were at like 240, 250? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it, it took me – the what else was really difficult too was trying to find a healthy balance. You know, that was – that was the hardest part, trying to find a healthy balance of making sure I was staying within my range and to not, you know, I didn't want to lose all the weight and then have it blow all the way back up. Right, of course. You know, and, and that was where I was was concerned. So it was trying to find out what my body could handle, you know, versus what I was putting in my mouth. So that's where I had, uh, I guess, some some learning i had a lot of learning to do with that you could say Mm -hmm. well it's tough too because even like even if you take away like carbs fats proteins even certain foods can trigger an inflammatory response Mm -hmm. within individuals or might feel better than others and things like that so you know even on that aspect too and not to mention with the body recomposition you obviously lost a lot of body fat you can notice a difference more so when you were 230, 240, 250 as opposed to 320, mm-hmm. right? You can actually see the change like going on in your body and feel the, you know, a little inflammation or if you're bloated real hard or something like that right. too. So Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I think the other thing that that's important to understand is not everyone, like to get a six pack, you know, to get that definition is extraordinarily hard and that's why you don't see, and part of that's genetics too, I think. You know, for some people, it is easier to get than others. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I totally agree. Um, when you say it's genetic, I just want to make sure the listeners understand. So, there are two components to the whole genetics thing. And one is that where your body stores fat on it, right? So, some people are more predisposed to store body fat in your midsection or like in your ass or in your thighs um, or in your arms for that matter. So you can get lucky and not store a lot of fat in your midsection. That'll make it easier to have visible abs, obviously. Uh, And two is that your abs actually can take a couple different shapes, I believe. Like there are a couple different orientations of how the muscles overlay with each other. I think that might be a little bit of bro science coming out. Um, But basically not everybody's abs look the same. And you even see that with people who have six packs. Like they don't all look identical. So two components that go into what makes when someone says like, oh, abs are genetic, like that's what they mean. But abs are overrated, right? <laughs> I, I I guess it depends on who you're talking to. All I'm saying is Eddie Hall, world's strongest man, has a world record in the deadlift, can lift 500 kilograms, 1,100 pounds. I don't think he is a six-pack. No. But again, that, that, that goes to – that that goes to changing goals, you know. Do you want to be super strong or do you want to just be super cut? You know, that's it's all about it's all about what you decide you want. You know, like right now, I decide I I would rather be stronger than to look leaned out and everything else. So mm-hmm. I'd rather have a little bit more size than the, you know, when we go on vacation, maybe I'll change that. You know, maybe I'll I'll work to lean out a little bit. I don't know, but. You know, just understanding calorie deficit versus calorie surplus. You know, the more you understand about that, the the better decisions that you can make. 100%. So how did this whole, this super strong diet, you know, super strict calorie deficit affect like your normal social life? Did it make it hard to go like out to eat with your 
well, Allie's your wife now. I imagine I'm pretty sure y'all were together back then, right? Yeah. But uh, how did like did it make it difficult to like spend time together and do date nights and stuff like that, or like go to eat? And did you have to like make separate meals? Like, what was that like? Uh, going out to eat wasn't too difficult. You just had to know what you couldn't eat, you know. And so, you know, she would she would say, "Hey, do you want to go out to eat somewhere?" I'd be like, "That's fine. I just need to know where." You know, and once we had decided on a place, then I could do my research and I would work backwards. I would take my given calories. Let's say I had 2000 calories and then I would look at what I was going to order and I would subtract that from my, from my, you know, calorie total for the day. And then I knew I had, let's say, you know, a meal was 750 calories at, at dinner. Okay. Well then I have to just work backwards and I've got what, 1250 left for, for that day. Right. And so I just worked backwards so that I knew what I had to to keep for dinner time. But, you know, she would she might eat dessert and I wouldn't, you know, or I would I would use uh, I used a book called Muscle Chow. Then and, and that would that really helped me. I had a uh, like a muscle building cookbook that I used to cook a lot of my meals and understand more about nutrition and how to properly prepare things and uh, make little, you know, desserts or, or whatever the case may be to try to help get, you know, get leaned up to, you know, to a good level. So that really helped me as well. But going out to eat wasn't necessarily difficult. It was just understanding, you know, how many calories you had to had to spare. Like anything, you just have to have a plan, right? Right. Cool. That's good stuff. Um what would you say – so anybody looking to go like keto or even – we'll expand it from keto. I know we were probably going to call that the title of this episode. We might change it. Anybody who's thinking about doing a serious body recomposition lifestyle change, what would you say to someone looking to do that specifically? Words of advice, I guess. I think the best thing to do is to date one, do it one day at a time. You know, I had my ultimate goal but – I couldn't go from 320 to 230 overnight. So I, I, I mapped out every single week. So, and I had uh, calorie goals for every single day for that week, you know? So when I was making those, uh, progressions or regressions from, you know, 3000 to 29, 28, 27, I knew, okay, well tomorrow I'm going to be down to 2,700 calories. The next day it's going to be 2,600 calories, you know? So I just, I just, I had a goal for every single day. And when you have a goal for every single day, you're eventually going to see small improvements. And then those small improvements will become big improvements. And then those big improvements will be you reaching the ultimate goal. And that's, that was really the only way I was able to do it was to just, I kept everything in a very short term window. It makes sense. It goes back to the goal setting, right? We talked about that on a previous episode is that, right. Set the big overarching goal, but you have to have short-term goals that'll right. eventually uh, you, lead to the long-term goal. You've got to you've got to plan it out. You've got to organize it. Then you got to lead through it and control it. I mean, those are the basic steps of of like business management. You know, you got to plan, organize, control, and lead. And if you can do those four things, and you can you can complete that task. Yeah. One more question, I guess, before we wrap up the keto slash diet talk and move into the next topic of the episode. 
what were your you said your energy levels were in the shitter obviously right you're only taking an eight eighteen hundred mm-hmm. calories a day right no almost no carbs almost no fats in a protein sparing modified fast what that do to like your hormones your mental psyche like how did that affect you where you i mean that's gotta suck right like it was yeah i mean my the mental aspect of it was towards the end it was really challenging you know and i don't think i had i don't think i had any regressions but i i was definitely i was moody uh i was more irritable there were days where i would get angry um i uh you know if i if i went over slightly you know, on a calorie for a day, you know, I was, I was, I was obsessed, like completely obsessed to the point where, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't go above what my limits were. And if I did, I felt like I had just blown an entire week, you know, or blown an entire day, you know? So in a way I put a lot of pressure on myself to try to, to try to get this done. So on that aspect, it just, you know, I, I didn't have, because I didn't have any energy, I was, I was in a much crankier mood, you know, but that I was willing to sacrifice that at the time for getting to the end goal, you know, and, you know, I guess everything else was, was be damned at the, at the time, you know? Yeah, that's, uh. Really good point. You know, it's it kind of sucks sometimes what you have to go through, but uh, shit, what do they say? The like the ladders of success or like right. the staircase to su- success is yeah. uh, riddled with obstacles and all that and walking on glass and whatever and those images and stuff. So that's awesome. For the record, I'm just going to throw this out there to anybody who is, might not be a believer. Sean's ripped at 250. For being six foot five, just saying, just throwing it out there. At least, at least somebody thinks that. I know a lot of people hear these numbers. Well, you know, you hear people with these numbers, and they say like, "Oh, you know, like it's real easy to be ripped at one eighty or one eighty five, and you know, like cut up and stuff." Like the, the people you see on social media, it's like, dude, you're one hundred and fifty pounds. Of course, you have eight eight pack abs, but you uh, you look pretty good for Jack Dad status at two fifty. You just can't go unnoticed had to throw it out there well I, I appreciate that well you know here's the other thing like you know i i want to get some of my numbers up but i'm also to the point where i don't have anything to prove you know i i had a i i think it was about a 550 deadlift uh 680 squat and uh and uh what was my best bench in college 375 i think with a torn labrum so you know i mean those were those were good numbers and I don't I have I have no reason to do that again but I still want to have you know I'd still like to get back up to at least the fives and the squats the fives and the deads at least well I should say the fours and the squats the fives and the deads and then the three plus in the bench you know if I can do that I'd be pretty happy but you know I have no reason to you know I'm not competing I'm not I'm not a power lifter I just like to power lift you know and for me, that's enough. And I like messing around with specialty bars. So Of course. Keeps it interesting. Right. All right. Any last things or last topics of discussion regarding 
the diet and body transformation experience that you had before we move into the next topic? I, I guess the biggest thing is if if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then plan it out and find a way to get it done. You know, and, and it, there are going to be days where it sucks and there's going to be days where everyone's eating pizza and cake and stuff in their face and you have to have enough discipline to keep, you know, keep the end goal in mind. You know, Stephen Covey says in the, in the book, seven habits of highly effective people, those who complete the task start with the end in mind. So start with the end in mind and work backwards. I like that a lot. It only takes a step in the right direction to completely change your life. Mm -hmm. All right. Direction determines destination as Jim Rohn says. Hell yeah. All right. So coming up, this is today. It's leap day, February 29th, a week from today. Uh, you will be attending the Arnold Classic, right? Can't wait. Super excited. For those that don't know what the Arnold Classic is, uh, wake up out of the cave that you've been laying in. Uh, <laughs> the Arnold Classic is a huge strength and weightlifting expo put on in Ohio every year. Uh, for those that don't know, Ohio is kind of like almost a promised land in the United States for strength athletics due to Rogue Fitness. The company Rogue Fitness is based in Columbus. Um, and Westside Barbell, Louis Simmons, who's kind of like the father of modern strength in the United States, uh, was based in, I think just outside of Columbus, actually. I don't remember. Yeah. They're not, they're not far apart. Yeah. Well, Rogue actually just, uh, partnered with Westside to mass produce all of Westside's gear, um, which is awesome for everybody. But anyway, so Ohio is like the Mecca of strength in the United States. So they host this big expo every year. There's a powerlifting competition. There's a strongman competition. Everybody's got a booth. It's like a who's who in like the fitness and strength community. You get to go. Super excited. What's the plan? The plan is to uh, – initially, the plan is to go down and, and number one, take it all in. But I also want to see some of the strongman lifts. Uh, and I want to I want to take a look at uh, some of the different products. Sometimes you've got brand new product out there. And uh, things that have not been unveiled yet or new lifting prototypes. Uh, so, you know, that's one reason. I also want to go down there just to market and network. But I've got some, uh, I, I got a couple of booths that I'm going to visit. I'm going to meet up with a couple people, uh, one being Stan Efforting. Um, I'm getting ready to next week. I'm dropping the interview that he did with, uh, with us um, electronically. Um, there was a question and answer series, so we're going to drop that next week, uh, prior to the Arnold classic. And, uh, I'm going to go see him and and chat up with him for a little bit. I'm going to go see Zach Mars, who is the inventor of what's called the Mars bar. If you haven't seen this on Instagram, you should check it out. It is one of the coolest bars personally that I have ever seen. And if you suffer from shoulder injuries like myself, uh, this could this could change the way you squat. So he's going to have uh, a set of bars down there. I'm going to go down there and check out that bar and, and hopefully be able to come home with one. That's kind of my ultimate goal. But also see what else is down there, if there's any other interesting prototypes to pick up. So, you know, it, it's really just going to be a matter of, you know, marketing, networking, and uh 
interacting with, you know, everybody who loves all the same stuff, you know, seeing the powerlifting, seeing there's going to be CrossFit events there. There's just so, I mean, there's so much to do and it starts on Thursday. I'm, I won't be able to go down until Saturday, but I got the fast pass. So I get in an hour early before they open the doors. So that'll be nice. Worth it. hundred um, percent. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt that that's worth it. So I'll, I'll leave. It's two hours from my house. So I'll leave at six, get down there about eight, buy myself a little bit of time and, and, um, hopefully it won't be too crowded, but just, uh, I'll be there all stinking day. So if you're planning on going, you're listening, hit me up on one of the social media platforms and we can hook up and, and talk all great things about strength and conditioning and everything else. So it's, it's always a lot of fun. I've gone a couple of times in the past and there's always great deals too. And you can kind of negotiate yourself through deals too. So, because people don't want to take, they, they don't want to take that stuff home. You know, they want to get rid of it. So sometimes you can, you can get good deals with stuff and, uh, it, it's always fun. I've always enjoyed it. Yeah. That's, uh, sounds really awesome. Bummed I won't be able to make the trip out this year. I know we talked about maybe linking up to do so. Mark my calendar already for the Arnold 2021. I'm going to enjoy it. So in a crowd like the Arnold, I have one last question about the classic, obviously. In a crowd like the Arnold, if you were to compete in any type of lifting event that they have there, and they've got every single one under the sun, how much do you think you could PR simply from being in that atmosphere surrounded by people cheering you on on that stage? Let's take like the deadlift. Let's just say deadlift. Well, I think just the adrenaline alone, and you see that in the strongman competitions that they have. I saw Brian Shaw a couple years ago. Those guys are nuts. Um, yeah, I was. He was lifting uh, tractor, uh, semi tractor tires from a from an elephant bar, you know. And and the the crowds they have. I mean, the guys they you can tell. I mean, they just get all juiced up, you know. And and but even the amateurs, like I go over and I and I've watched the amateurs. You know, perform Olympic lifting, and you can tell uh, that the just the the energy in the place alone is really really positive. It's really positive because everybody is you know is there to help cheer on other people. You know, there doesn't really seem to be a hey, I can bench more than you or squat more than you. It's like hey, go lift your ass off and do your thing. You know. And, and everybody, for the most part, just seems to be very, very supportive of that, regardless of who's lifting. Right. It seems like a really just positive vibe all around. Yeah. Well, because everybody wants to see somebody PR, you know, and if it's a – and so if you're – if you are PRing your own weight, you know, then that's a great thing. You're not – and in so many ways, that's why strength and conditioning and weightlifting is so great because – you know, you're still competing against yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The So obviously, I've never been in an atmosphere like the Arnold, but it reminds me from what you just described a lot about the atmosphere surrounding uh, like when I race triathlons, like everyone just wants to see people do well, right? Like it's just, right. you're just hype and pumped for everybody. So that seems really awesome. I'm super excited. Yeah. I can't wait to do the recap yeah. episode uh, that follows. So that'll be, uh, that'll be fun. Looking forward to it. We have time for a couple DMs here. Like we'll just go rapid fire, uh, super quick. I'm guessing the first one's for you because I don't have a kid. What does your child want to be when he or she grows up? I'm assuming it's probably about Wyatt. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I've got two kids, so um, I don't know why it's four, and my daughter, Emery, is 19 months. <laughs> so they have literally the entire future in front of them. Whatever they want to be is whatever they decide to be. You know, I, I've had a lot of people jokingly say, you know, well, are you going to make him play football? And my answer has always been and still is no. If he decides he wants to play, then then great. I'm all for that. And if he decides he does not want to, then great. I'm all for that. I'm not going to be one of these parents that forces him to do something just because I did. That's the last thing I want to do. I want him to come to it organically. And if he decides, you know, whatever he wants to do, I just hope that he's he's successful and excels at it. That's really the ultimate goal, I think, of any parent that they want to see with their kids. And that's what makes you a great dad. Uh, we're going to skip this next one because it requires a longer response than we're going to give right now, more thorough, in-depth. Um, how would you handle tracking alcohol when on a cut, Sean? The question says, I'm trying to adhere to my diet as best as possible, but I still want to be able to have a social life and enjoy a beer once in a while. I just don't – I we talked about this a little bit um, during one of our hol holiday podcasts. One, uh, and I think the idea is just moderation. Have a couple, but that, but, but that's it. Uh, but, you know, you still have to account for those calories. So if you are on a calorie limit, you might need to account for that. You know, and uh, so you're going to have to, I guess, pick your beer wisely. Or whether that, or, 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 you know, are you drinking liquor? I guess that depends too. But um, you got to be, you got to be careful with that. Especially, I mean, if your calories are already re really low, you have a couple beers, you're going to be wired for sound pretty quick. So I think you got to, you got to keep that in mind. Um, towards like for, for myself, towards the end of my diet, I cut out alcohol completely. I wasn't drinking. But I'm also not a super social drinker. Plus, I'm a cheap date. So, <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know, so for, for you've just got to make those decisions. What's more important? Yeah. Would you rather have it? Would you rather have a few beers or are you really hell bound to get your diet under control? You can maybe wait a couple of weeks for the beers, have some water. You can still go, still go out with friends. Doesn't. It's not like it's a law that you have to go out and drink, but you just got to think. You got to think about what's most important. Yeah, that's uh, well said. Um, obviously, it depends person to person basis, right? Like everything you just said, Sean, it's you know up to you what you want to do, how you want to decide it. Obviously, you can take a look at just the calories. You know, like a a light beer is you know a hundred calories in it, whatever. If you want to get specific with the tracking in terms of like macros, so carbs are four grams of pop. Uh, fats are nine, alcohol is seven. So if you take, let's use a hundred calorie beer, cut that in half, 50 calories and track that as carbs, that would be what, like four and a half or Something 12, like that, well, yeah. 12, 12 and a half, sorry. Four times 12 is 48. So there's 48 calories accounted for the other 50. You could divide by nine and log it as fat and do, uh, which would be like six, I guess, give or take. So you can log it as like Divided by, you know, log it as like half of each to get that seven versus four or nine to more accurately account for the macros. But at the end of the day, it's – I personally, I would not worry about it that in depth. But if you want to do so, you're more than welcome to, obviously. Um, 
Last question here. What do you guys think is the most beneficial workout split? Arnold was always big on the chest and back. I like that a lot. Your whole upper body just feels like it explodes. I like chest and back a lot. And I like legs and shoulders. Those are two of my favorites. Yeah, those are interesting. Um, I'm not sure if that was like the question was like splits like that or if it was like push pull legs or bodybuilding or whatever. I recently got into the chest and back game after usually doing like chest and tries back and buys. Chest and back is like a whole different level of pump for sure. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I've, I've done chest and back for a long time and it's it uh, you definitely feel different. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, obviously, the the answer is the most beneficial workout split is the one that you choose to follow. Uh, the one that's going to get you the best results, the one that's going to adhere to your goals. It would not make sense for a powerlifter two weeks out from competing in powerlifting to be doing sets of 10 to 12 reps. It would not make sense for a bodybuilder to be trying to tax their central nervous system to the point of a one rep max deadlift a week before they step on stage. So adhere to your goals, follow whatever feels best to you. The best beneficial workout program is the one that works. That's all I have for today, pal. Uh, Do you have any closing thoughts on anything we discussed? I don't think so. I guess the big thing is I'm I'm going to be excited for the Arnold and this weekend I should be getting a new piece of equipment coming in here. So stay tuned for that on uh, some of my social media outlets, specifically Instagram. It's usually where I post most of that stuff. So keep an eye on that. Uh, I won't. Uh, I'm not going to get not going to give it away. You'll have to wait and see. Blink twice if it's the lat tower. Yeah, <laughs> I've already got a lat tower. Oh, fancy. Yes. Stay tuned. Cool. So uh, until next time, guys, keep it strong. Keep it safe. Be your best to you. Just be better and stay tuned for the Arnold recap. See ya.